Prepare to experience the strongest radio allowable by law. Secrets will be revealed. Myths dispelled. From the studio gym where excuses never apply. It's Superhuman Radio with your host, Carl Lenore. Welcome back to a, uh, another episode of Superhuman Radio. We have a pep talk today. This is by far the most favorite episode we do when we do it. People love the pep talk. And uh, today is uh, September 6, 2019, and my returning guest is also a favorite uh, with the listeners of Superhuman Radio, and that's uh, Dr. Elizabeth Yurth. How are you doing, Dr. Yurth? I'm great, Carl. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, it's always great to have you on. Uh, so... Uh, we're going to talk about something that really is a big issue in our population, uh, and that is osteoarthritis. I, I didn't. I failed to look up the numbers, uh, but I, I believe that most people will have some form of osteoarthritis at some point in their lives as they age. Isn't is, that's a broad statement? But it's pretty accurate, isn't it? Yeah, I think the estimate is somewhere around ninety percent of us, um, and probably if you're living into your nineties, it's probably more than that. And, you know, and don't downplay, really, it's actually probably the number one debilitating disease as people get older. It's why they can't do things, so they don't go out walking, they don't go out and exercise, and then they begin getting diabetes, cardiac dysfunction. So it really, I think we sort of think of, when we think of the disease spectrum, we sort of leave arthritis out, and it's probably oftentimes one of the pieces that is the downhill turn for people as they get older. So my background is in orthopedics. Uh, functional medicine came later in my life, but the, the the population I see, very many of them, even as young as in their 50s, stop doing things, and they say, oh, I can't do it anymore because my knees hurt, and that's sort of your downhill spiral, right? Like, you and I want to be doing things when we're 120, and we're seeing these people who are at 50 who have now said, oh, I can't run anymore, I can't do this anymore, I can't do that anymore, I can't lift weights anymore, and so we have to focus on this as a probably a little bit more of a priority. I think it gets really downplayed. Well, and, and when we talk about osteoarthritis, we're really talking about a chronic pain disease. We're talking about a disease. So I lived with chronic pain when I had to have, I put off uh, having foot surgery for two years. And little things like my laptop was running out of battery power and the charger was upstairs. And I literally would think to myself, oh, I got to go up the stairs. My foot's going to hurt really bad. <laughs> I think I'll just close the laptop and stop working now. And p people don't realize that living with chronic pain saps all of the joy out of life. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and even mild, like you're talking about, you know, you think, oh, it's foot arthritis. I should be able to function with it. Even mild little things, people with, with you know, hand arthritis, you know, knees and hips are markedly debilitating. But you're exactly right. People just start getting sedentary. They want to do nothing. And think about that, how that influences not only your, your life, but the people around you. I see a lot of couples who one can still travel and do things. The other is like, oh, I can't do that anymore. I, and, and that actually becomes sometimes as people get older, the detriment to a relationship as well. Well, so, so, so I never want to be the wet blanket. Like yeah. I, I'm one of these guys who like, no, we're going to do this. Not, I, I'm not going to keep everybody else from having fun. So when we went right. to Ireland with another couple – a lot of what we wanted to do was go walking around and seeing castles and stuff. Right. And so I had these two metatarsals literally protruding through the sole of my foot. 
And but I walked, you know, I walked twenty, I think we twenty six thousand steps one day, and I took my shoe off, and my sock was wet with blood. And Elisa went, "Oh my God!" Like you know, doesn't that hurt? I say, "Yeah, it hurts," but I don't want to be the one that no one can do what they want to do because I'm the wet blanket. Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same way. I push through pain. And, you know, and unfortunately, that's not necessarily a good thing, right? No, I know. I know. More, more, more problems, but, but sort of the way we've, you know, if you've been training for a lot of years, that's what you do. You just push through pain. Um, but also think about how, yeah, you, I mean, exactly that, how it does affect your socialization with people. So if I have severe knee arthritis and all my friends are going out walking or hiking and I can't do it, I'm no longer hanging out with my friends. So people become more isolated. They become more ill. And if you go to your primary care doctor and you ask for something, their choice is to really probably put you on an anti-inflammatory medicine, um, you know, and that's that's not going to get you very far and has its own set of complications. And beyond that, they sort of go, well, you know, when you're ready, you can have your knee replaced. Well, the studies actually, there's a recent study that came out two, year, two years ago that actually followed people because we sort of think joint replacement is going to fix everything. And really most, it was only about 10% of people that really got back to a high functional level after a joint replacement. So even after a knee replacement where we think, okay, well, your pain's better, people did not get back to their level of activity. Why do you, why do you think that is? Do you think, I mean, because my brother-in-law suffered the same uh, outcome. So he played basketball all his life. He's in his 70s now. And a couple years ago, he had knee replacement. And then the idea was that once he recovered from knee replacement, he'd get right back into playing basketball. And he doesn't play basketball anymore. And I, I never asked him why. I know it doesn't hurt. Right. Uh, but do you think that they become apprehensive? Like, gee, you know, I, I really, there's no proprioception in this fake joint. I really yeah. don't know if I'm pushing too hard. Why do you think that is? I think that it's, I, I think the apprehension is a big piece of it. People are really nervous. They just went through a big surgery. Knee replacements are, are rough. The younger you are, the rougher they are seeming to, seemingly to recover from. And so it's not an easy recovery. You've been through this and your, your thought is, I am not going to have to go through this again. And so you're apprehensive to wear that knee out. You've been cautioned by your orthopedic surgeon that, listen, this has a limited life on it. And so I think that that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And I think a big part of it is that you just, by the time you get to the joint replacement, you've given up a lot of those activities. And you sort right. of start saying, oh, I'm just not going to go back to doing that. I'm not going to be as good anymore as other people. So I think there's all those pieces. In fact, the only groups that really seemed to do really well with their joint replacements in terms of returning to activity were the elderly sedentary, sedentary people. You know, yeah, because they, they, they didn't change their lifestyles after the surgery. Right. <laughs> yeah. you know, so it's, it's really not a good answer, especially in people in our age group where, you know, we, we have these, all these things we still want to do. It might be a reasonable choice as people get older, but probably not a reasonable choice when people are in their 50s and 60s and maybe even their 70s. So we have to have some other options. And that's where, you know, the things we're going to talk about, which are these kind of next generation. What can we do that sort of fixes this problem? So what, 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 do, they, what do they do now? I know that I, I, I've talked about the, the use of corticosteroids being a damning choice uh, to alleviate <laughs> pain. What, what do they do now for osteoarthritis? And, and what, what, what really causes, from, from your perspective, what's the real culprit causing this problem? Yes, let's let's kind of go to the cause first, because it's interesting to me that we sort of, everybody thinks, you know, what is arthritis? You wear out a joint. And and that's part of it. But why can some people be super, super active and, you know, run marathons and and never get arthritis? And other people, even a little injury or a small amount of trauma causes degenerative changes in their joints. So we know there's more to the story than just the number of miles you're putting on your joints. And the big thing that's come to light more recently is that there's probably two other factors. And one is 
just levels of overall inflammation in your body because we know that inflammation in general is damaging to every organ system, including your musculoskeletal system. And when you have these high inflammatory mediators, things like interleukin-1 and, and, the, and um, tumor necrosis factor alpha, when those are high generally, they're going to be high in your joint, and they're very destructive. So that's a big part of it is just overall inflammation. You and I have talked before about, well, if somebody's overweight, is their joint worn out just because they're overweight? Because you can have huge overweight people who don't have arthritis in their joints. And so probably it's because that person's eating a high sugar, high carb diet, their, their inflammation levels are high. They're, if you were to look at inflammation, it's, it's through the roof. And so you have to treat inflammation to treat the arthritis. And the other piece is we know there is a big genetic component to, to arthritis. We now have a lot more awareness of genetics. We know there's a lot of defects, or we won't say defects, but uh, propensities organisms in yeah. in your genes that affect collagen and so collagen if it's not formed as well from square one is going to wear out more earlier than somebody who has really nice normal collagen and then we think that probably there is an um, maybe almost an autoimmune type of osteoarthritis any anytime you know i i try to drill this into my audience anytime the word inflammation is used to describe a pathway to a disorder or disease, you have to think about the immune system because inflammation is the army of the immune system. Right. So, right, and and so if I think you always think about autoimmune arthritis as like things like rheumatoid arthritis, and we do know there's an autoimmune-based osteoarthritis too. These people are wearing out all of their joints, not just one joint, at a very rapid pace, and and. We know that those people we need to be treating their, and probably everybody, we need to be making their immune systems healthy. And so some of the things we'll talk about today will actually be working on those factors. So in the past, well, and I'll say in the present because I don't think it's changed much. I mean, I have two practices. I have a longevity clinic and I have an orthopedic practice where I'm with 14 other orthopedic doctors. And most of, of what they're, been, they're doing is the same of what we've been doing for a long time. And that is you come... Your primary care doc says, well, go see the orthopedist, and you go into your orthopedic surgeon, and, and they x-ray your knee, and it has arthritis, and they say, okay, here's your options. If the anti-inflammatory medications aren't working, let's try a steroid injection. Well, we now know that even one steroid injection will offer temporary benefit. They definitely have temporary benefit. You will feel better for about six weeks. The downside is that that same drug that you just stuck in your knee is modulating some of those immune factors and you're actually causing a pro-degradative process. So we know that even one injection, much less people who are having one every three months, is causing a progressive degradation. So if you're in your 50s and you're doing that, you're really doing yourself harm. So then we have uh, hyaluronic acid injections. So there's a lot of companies that make these now. There's about five different brands. They all have a little subtle differences, but they're basically taking what we consider sort of an artificial synovial fluid. We know that synovial fluid is nourishing to cartilage. It helps to lubricate joints. You feel better when you have more joint fluid. As you get older and as the joint becomes arthritic, two things happen. One is the joint fluid becomes very thin and watery. Number two, you make less of it. And so that's part of the problem. It's why your joints are creaky and achy and you get up and you can't move them is this less lubrication. So you can inject this lubricant, this hyaluronic acid, into the joint and you do a series of injections, and it does help, and it helps for a longer period of time. And we know that it actually does not have a degradative effect. So I was involved in a study years ago where we followed people with x-rays after hyaluronic acid injections. In fact, they did have less progression arthritis. So that's something that insurance pays for, and it does work. 
it's not a long-term solution. You're not going to get significant change in cartilage, but it does help with pain to a certain level. And then your next choices are, and I hear this all the time from my partners, well, let's just go in there and clean the joint up. Let's just, you know, clean, clean it up. Well, you know, does that really make any sense? It's a lot like um, if you had a, you know, you came to me out of your car and your tires were completely worn out. And I just said, well, let's just go smooth those tires down a little bit. Well, let, well let's just change the air in them, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, it doesn't, it really doesn't do anything. And in fact, that shaving down that I just did to make your tires flatter is, is, is detrimental. Well, wait, I, so I, need, I need to stop there for a second because I spent, uh, I dropped out of high school and I went to work at the racetrack. And, and now, you know, looking back at what they, we did with horses back then in the 70s, you know, I, I look yeah. at the, the flawed logic. So if a horse had, uh, had fluid in its knee, it was, you know, you felt the knee, it wasn't nice and flat, it was warm, it was bulging. The vet would come with a, a needle, usually like a 19-gauge needle, and they would tap the knee. They'd right. just stick it out, and they'd press it a little bit, and they'd let that synovial fluid out. And the theory was reducing the pressure in the knee would allow the horse to run. But what they were really doing was reducing the viscosity of the knee and then sending that horse out to run its personal best, which was probably doing further damage to the knee, right? Right. I mean, that... If you, if you temporarily take fluid off your knee, you are going to feel better. You, you know, if there's less pressure on the knee, you will feel better. It's a very temporary influence, and it's not going to have any long-term benefit. And we now know long-term bad effects. The same thing true about arthroscopic debridement of a knee. So go in there and clean it up. Well, it's short-term, you will feel better. That'll last for about two to three months in general. And then we now know that you have a significant, and, and, and the studies are pretty compelling, significant degradation that occurs after you've stuck a scope in that knee and cleaned up the joint. So, you know, in fact, in, in, in Europe, in England now, you cannot do knee scopes. It's not paid for by the government to do a knee scope over the age of 50 because there's, the outcome is not good. And in our Hippocratic do-no-harm oath, we're not doing good by scoping knees, and yet we continue to do it. Is that is that just a result of disrupting the synovial capsule exclusively? Like once you go in there, and you, whether you just go in and come right back out, once you kind of go in there, you've disrupted the environment and nothing good can come from it? No, I think it's more than that because I think you've created traumatic influence. So one of the things that happens when you have trauma is you get all these enzymes that are produced. Well, some of those are degradative enzymes. So you get an increase in what are called MMPs, metallomatrix proteins, and, and you get an increase in, in the interleukins. And so you actually accelerate a degradative process. Now, our body tries to control that, but some of us aren't as good at controlling it. You talked about those autoimmune factors. If I don't have the necessary components to stop that degradative process, it's going to continue. It's why some people will do okay and some people won't. We all have different environments. So I think it's not just going in there and smoothing out the already too smooth tire, but it's also the change in the degradative process that you've, that you've created because you've accelerated some enzymatic reactions. Um, and that occurs even in young people. Even, even when you do an ACL reconstruction, you actually, in some people, will start in sort of a downhill slide then. And there's, you know, there's talk in the sort of re, more regenerative orthopedic community about should we even in somebody who's 20 and tears their ACL, be doing something to start protecting the joint at that stage because we probably have already set off some processes. Um, but yeah, I think that, that in the U.S., we are the only people who are doing this kind of procedure. So that should tell 
me tell you something. I mean, it's and, and it's the number one procedure for orthopedic surgeons. They they scope your knee. Right. So you know those are your options. You've got you know you've got anti-inflammatory medications, activity modification, hyaluronic acid, which is probably the best of that bunch, scopes, and then replacing the joint. None of which are good options, right? We just sort of blew them all you know out of the, out of the, the course because we we really don't have anything to offer you that's really good. So I I think that. Then we start to say, well, how about all this cool new stuff? We've got platelets and stem cells. Uh, and and I love platelets and I love stem cells. You know, I use people's own stem cells. And, and, and you know, now things are called exosomes. And those, I think, are better. Those are definitely better options. The problem is, if I take your platelets and, and I do this kind of fancy procedure where I make a little, little matrix out of your platelets, place it back into the joint, and it releases all these growth factors, right? And it starts beginning the regenerative process. Well, the problem is if I haven't changed your ultimate environment, you, right? you're still you're still you're, you're still planting new seeds in the same crappy soil. Exactly. <laughs> so that's so, why when you look at the outcome data on on these regenerative therapies, people are saying, "Yeah, they seem to work," but you know, yeah, we're not so certain. Well, that's because it, not. You know, most people who've gotten to that point have some reason they got to that point. So now I just put platelets back into them, and now they're going to start degrading the, the same cartilage I'm trying to reform. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to, you know, so when we do a regenerative program, we don't just stick platelets into a knee. If I'm going to put platelets into a knee, I'm going to tag that on with also fixing their immune health. We, we, we recommend diet programs with them. We do all of these things. But then we have the options that you and I will talk about here now with, with using... After, after the break, I, I want to ask you this. this so, so since you invoked the, the magic word that most physicians <laughs> never invoke, diet, uh, because, because you are the type of physician you are that you bridge both anti-aging and, and orthopedics, and also you're, you're, you are a well-trained athlete yourself, you understand the outcomes that can be caused by diet. So when you see people come into your clinic and they have worn out knees, worn out hips, uh, and you start to talk to them about nutrition, what do you see most often in these diets that clearly are pro-inflammatory mediators that could be maybe not causing but definitely not changing the landscape or the quality of the soil? Is it like grains and stuff like that you look at right away? No. So, so grains are interesting because I, I think we've sort of, you know, the, the, there are people who shouldn't eat grains. There are people who grains are fine for. You know, we do a lot of genetic analysis of diets, and we sort of help people figure out what is the kind of best diet for them. And it is really all across the board. I mean, the big thing is you, you, nobody fares well on anything that's a high-sugar diet. So a very high-carb, high-sugar diet in general. There are people who do well with a moderate, you know, some moderate carbohydrates better than others. But you've got to get rid of all the refined sugar out of these people's diet, you know, and people have all been sort of taught this, you know, well, one drink a day is good, but most people, one drink is half a bottle of wine, you know, and that's a massive sugar intake. Right. And so we try and really cancel people. Okay. What is sugar? What are, where is the hidden sugar? Cause I have people all the time who say, well, I don't really eat refined sugar. And then you go through their diet and they are eating, you know, breads and things that are basically refined sugars. So we really try and first thing, cause it's the easiest thing is try and get rid of all the refined sugar out of the diet. That's horribly inflammatory. You know, alcohol, when we talk about a little bit of alcohol, it's a little bit is good for you. A couple ounces. A couple ounces. Most people don't drink a couple ounces. I literally literally will have 
an ounce and a half of red wine, which yeah. is not enough to satisfy a red wine drinker's desire, but it's just, right. it's like a little shot glass of wine. Yeah, I just exactly. want to taste it. That's it. Yeah. And that's, and, and so it's so funny because people have all been, oh, well, drink a day is really good for you. And we've turned our drink a day into, yeah, 12 ounces, eight ounces, and not two ounces, which is really what it meant, it's meant to be. So that's our kind of our first go-to on people. Um, um, the, the, the sugar one is really interesting to me, and, and I'm, I'm actually going to email you because I'm working on a multi-pronged protocol. You know, anybody who's been paying attention to the microbiome has asked this question. Why can't I just scorch it and reseed it like I do to my lawn? And we can't because we don't even have a grasp on the, the diversity of, of a healthy microbiome. But what if we could reset it? And I actually think I've discovered a multi-pronged approach, which includes... Uh, peptides, uh, and it also includes a unique antibiotic called Zyvaxin, which just is utilized in the small mm-hmm. intestine, but also a protocol of using enzymes, not with meals, but when the gut is empty. Interestingly enough, your gut will upregulate mucosal barrier production when the pH is lowered in the stomach and there's more acid in the stomach. So it's all these things that I'm working with, and, and, and I wonder... When you see people who tend to seem to have the worst degradation of their joints and they seem to have the, 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 the highest level of what you can indic- find of, of like pro-inflammatory environment, do they also tend to have distended stomachs and gut problems? I think, you know, you and I know gut problems, gut microbiome is the basis of most inflammation, right? And autoimmunity. So it has to come back to certainly that I, I think that most of those people are going to have altered gut microbiome. And we, and we now can almost put every disease, every autoimmune disease, every arthritic process into the gut microbiome. I think we're, we're finding, quickly finding almost everything into the gut microbiome. Um, I think the Zydaxin approach is interesting. We use Zydaxin a lot in people who have, you know, SIBO and, 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 um, and the downside is it's a super expensive drug and hard to get. <laughs> I found so so. I'm gonna I'm gonna compile videos of what I'm about to embark. I've already started to, I've already started to prune and 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 uh, and feed the soil, so to speak, uh, using uh, 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 high levels of betaine hydrochloride in between meals before bed and first thing in the morning. Uh, I'm I'm using glutamine to help. Foster mm-hmm. and BPC-157 at this point in time. This is all right. about the soil right now, getting the soil ready yeah. for what I'm about to embark on. But what, what I'm going to embark on is an attempt to reset my gut back to before it became infested with bad things. And the, the elimination of both sugar and artificial sweeteners is part of this protocol because I can directly link uh, how my gut feels to when I consume more sugar or artificial sweeteners. Yeah, and, really, yeah because stevia has had sort of a beneficial effect in history on gut microbiome. What I does, thought. stevia? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so interestingly enough, um, I really believe that SIBO, the domino one in SIBO is the change in pH of the gut that enables the microbes to start to take root in the small intestine if your if your acid levels are high enough if your ph is low enough you don't get you won't get SIBO because you, nothing can live in that environment and make it to a seeding uh, uh, mode and yeah, i really believe the number one the domino in SIBO is a change in gut ph and i have found 
two artificial sweeteners that are used a lot that research shows can actually reduce the acidity of the stomach. And then when you think that you eat six or seven things a day with this week in and week out, you drink a drink with it week in and week out, it's like you're constantly um, making the environment accept uh, the implantation of microbes in areas where they don't belong. So this is going to be exciting. I'm either going to kill myself or I'm going to come up with a way to help a lot of people. One or the other. I don't know. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to start to talk about peptides and how they fit into uh, the treatment of osteoarthritis. We're talking with Dr. Elizabeth Yurth. Uh, her clinic is uh, boulderlongevity.com, correct? Correct. And, so, and, and she sees patients from all over the world, literally. And so if you want to reach out to her, please do so at the website. We'll be right back. Are you still on the fence about Body Protection Complex, BPC Oral from DrSeeds.com? Listen to Maggie Kuhn, one of the owners of the C-Bus Lifting Company, Jim, in Columbus, Ohio. I had been having some nagging tendon issues that weren't injuries, just, just things that were annoying. You know, I'm 58 years old, so just older tendon kind of issues. For us powerlifters, you know, we really don't stop training when we have just nagging issues. We just kind of keep pushing through. And I started the BPC. What I noticed was I was doing and some heavy tricep stuff that um, that would have killed me um, before when I had an elbow problem, and I was able to do this with literally no pain at all. Go to drseeds.com, D-R-S-E-E-D-S.com. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your bottle of BPC Body Protection Complex today. Quest Nutrition makes bars, cookies, chips, and pizzas out of complete dairy-based proteins. Our products minimize net carbs and sugar without sacrificing taste. Each delicious chocolate-flavored chip, cookie chunk, and crunchy crumble is custom-made to maintain Quest macros. It's time to enjoy foods that work for you, not against you. It's time to enjoy your Quest. You already know the benefits of red light therapy. Now you have to find the strongest, best one out there at the best price, right? That's where Scott Chevery found himself. He had to create Mito Red Lights so you can get the strongest, best red light therapy unit in the world at the absolute best price. And the Superhuman Nation gets an additional discount. Go to MitoRedLight.com and use code SHR to get the lowest price anywhere, plus free shipping inside the USA and deeply discounted shipping worldwide. Go to MitoRedLight.com and use code SHR today. That's M-I-T-O-R-E-D-L-I-G-H-T.com. Whether your goal is to build muscle or burn fat, you'll find everything you need at Redcon 1. Need help getting a good night's sleep? Try Fade Out or the most popular pre-workout supplement on the market today, Total War. Sign up for their new transformation challenge and win $10,000. Or shop for apparel that people at the gym will know that you are serious about your training. Need a testosterone booster that works? Check out Boomstick. Whatever you need, you'll find the best quality supplements on the market at Redcon 1. Go to Redcon1.com. That's R-E-D-C-O-N, the number one, dot com. Or go to superhumanradio.net and click the Redcon 1 banner ad today. Hey, this is Carl. For 14 years, you've heard me talk about can-see eye drops, and they being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at now 61 years old. But I regularly get emails and messages from people who've been using can-see and having some amazing results. Recently, I got an email from a fellow named Chad, who, because he was on dexamethasone eye drops for over six months, developed a cataract. Can-see eye drops actually reduced my cataract to the point where even my doctor has a hard time 
finding it. I will never stop using Cansee eye drops twice a day. I've been using them since 2008, he says. And you should be too. There is no better way to keep your eyes healthy and seeing clearly than Cansee eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com today and get on board, and we will both be looking into the future with very This is the Superhuman Channel, doing reps with the weight of the world. Welcome back. We're talking with Dr. Elizabeth Yurth. We're going to get into the peptide side, which is the reason everybody came to the show today. Because uh, clearly, when you look at the things that PRP does and the things that stem cells do, uh, they are potentiated when you create a fertile environment for, do, for them to do their job. And peptides clearly have to play a role in that, right? Right. And, and even something as simple as, you know, all your listeners are now familiar. You've already mentioned BPC-157. You know, even doing something as simple as putting BPC on board on somebody who's undergoing any of these processes is really going to be helpful because, you're remember, you're potentiating all these growth factors and, you know, your body gets this nice modulation. So even something as simple as that, we can't forget that those kind of things are, are super helpful, and that's a pretty simple approach to do, to do have somebody take BPC around this time of, of a stem cell or platelet procedure on a joint. So that's something simple. But again, what what BPC doesn't attack is the other pieces you and I have, have mentioned, and that is the, the the stopping that degradative process that's already ongoing from either the genetic, the um, inflammatory side, but the increase in degradative enzymes. And so one of the things we're using a lot of now is a peptide called, called AOD9604. And it's an it's an injection into the knee, and it's usually mixed with the viscose supplement, the hyaluronic acid. So you talked about hyaluronic acid, and I know you said you've done hyaluronic acid in your yeah. knee with really good effect. So what that is is basically a synthetic joint fluid. It's a, it's, a, it's a thick, dense lubricant put into the joint, which is great. But again, how do you address the other piece of now how do you restore cartilage? So AOD9604 actually, um, and some of your listeners may be familiar with it more for sort of fat loss because that's really what it was initially investigated for was as a fat loss peptide. And it, it, it works in some people in that realm um, and in some people not so well. It seems to be a pretty genetic part of who, who AOD works with well for, for fat loss. But, but what they found, it, there was a, a Japanese sort of rabbit study that was done, done I think, 2015 where they used this, they destroyed the cartilage in the rabbit's, the rabbit's knees, and then they used AOD 9604 injections into the joint. In rabbits, they were able to almost completely regenerate. So after four weeks of injections, I think it went from four to seven weeks, they were able to completely regenerate the cartilage in these rabbits' knees, and it maintained. So at follow-up, it maintained for, for about 12 months afterwards, they still saw these changes. So it looked like we were actually repairing or regenerating cartilage with AOD. And your listeners who are familiar with AOD as from its more growth hormone um, fat loss perspective, well, it's exactly what it's doing. It's acting a little bit like a growth hormone. So AOD is a fragment of growth hormone. So it's a piece of the growth hormone molecule. Yeah, it's like, well, it's like 171 to 191 or something like right. that. Yeah. It's got a tyrosine tagged onto the end terminal of it. And so it makes it have some of the really good properties of, 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 of growth hormone and not some of the other properties we don't want. And it works very nicely to help in, in um, regeneration in the joint. 
add with that the lubricant and you do those injections one a week for four weeks and then we usually do um, one monthly for another four months and we see improvement first couple injections a little bit but as time goes on they get incremental improvement and it appears to sustain so we have a lot of people who just come back in now every three months or so and get a little touch up of it because they're starting to either get a little more degradation or they just felt like it helped so much but we have just some remarkable stories with aod i mean i have this guy who was really really avid he was in his 60s really avid tennis player and had developed enough arthritis he could no longer play tennis it was kind of his life um, and, you know, and he was totally needed knee replacement and he was 63. He didn't want a knee replacement. So we did AOD injections on him and he had, you know, grade three to four arthritis. So pretty severe. We weren't really sure it would help that much. And he came back after, after four weeks and he was playing tennis after, after another four months. So after he completed a huge series, the guy is running stairs, he's playing tennis. He has no pain in his knee. He's now added on a lot of peptide therapies because he's, He's learned that, okay, I have to do this as well. I have to get my body into a healthier state or this is all going to go downhill again. So we have these stories that are just amazing with AOD. Now, what's the advantage of that over everything else we've talked about? Well, everything else we've talked about does not address the pieces of we've got to repair the cartilage, right? We've got to nourish the cartilage with, with good synovial fluid. And once we're there, now we have to sort of keep the environment good. And so that's where we have to, you know, counsel people on other things. How, how can you use systemic peptides like BPC? Well, and so let, let, me, let me ask you a question so before we go further. So I understand the value of intraarticular injections, especially when you use a medium that kind of keeps these peptides localized longer. So mm-hmm. they're highly concentrated and they're just working in this area. Right. This was especially true of interarticular growth hormone injections where you really didn't want the 20 IUs of growth hormone you just injected in the knee to literally get out into the body. That's a really high dose. But at the same time, we know from bodybuilders using 10 IUs of growth hormone a day for months and months that the the, the meniscus in, in the knee and all throughout the body is stimulated. In fact, a lot of these bodybuilders end up with joint crowding because it's so profound. Right. So, yeah. so is it possible that somebody who's using AOD 9604 for fat loss and, and keep in mind, the people who have success with AOD 9604 are doing four to six injections a day. It's a big commitment. Most people want to do one or two and they go, it doesn't work for me. But do you think somebody who's using AOD 9604 for fat loss is going to see some residual benefits in their joints? Yes. In fact, in some of the animal studies, they did show that, that there was some systemic effect. To, you know, so, you, so using it systemically worked as well. Okay. Um, probably not quite as well, but I think they're definitely going to see some effect. Okay. And that's interesting. I didn't actually know that about going to a four injection a day. Maybe we've underdosed our patients. So, yeah. so, so okay. So AOD 9604 is one of, the, uh, one of the great things that you can use. What other peptides seem to serve well in the treatment of the actual causes and the regeneration of, of uh, osteoarthritis in humans? So we, we talked about using BPC and then obviously just keeping growth levels high with you know, things like CJC and Ipamoral. And, uh, so those things kind of go, your, your listeners are all really familiar with all those things. But one of our favorite things, it's actually not a peptide, but probably your, your, your doctor who knows about peptides will know, be, will have access to this, but something called penicillin polysulfate. Penicillin polysulfate is used every, in Australia, um, all the, the 
rugby foot players and football players are on pentosan polysulfate for joint arthritis. So it actually just got approved there as a drug for arthritis. Pentosan polysulfate is actually a, it's a synthetic molecule that's made from a, um, a beech wood tree, some, some particular beech wood tree. And so it's, it's um, this kind of cellulose molecule. And it's been around a long time. It was first invented actually as a heparin-like molecule, as a blood thinner. Mm. And so it's Fifty plus year history of safety as a blood thinning molecule, and what they and, and then they sort of found that people who were on it actually had less arthritis, and so they started doing some animal studies, and it became very widely used in dogs and horses. Back in the early '90s, there was you know, and it still is widely used in the veterinary population for for joint arthritis. So they they began to see they had these other effects that were beyond its blood thinning effects, and and they they've done now. Uh, some pretty compelling studies, both on animals and humans, to show it actually reverses arthritis and long-term we're seeing mm. benefit. The, the mechanism is interesting in that we talked about those pieces. So if I've used my AOD and my hyaluronic acid, right, well, now I've restored the cartilage to some degree. If we don't get rid of the degradative enzymes, then we're going to destroy it again. And maybe you can do that with diet and maybe you can do that with lifestyle changes but a lot of people, you probably can't. They have some genetic abnormality. So one thing pedicin really works on is the interleukins, TNF-alpha, MMP3, these degradative enzymes, these enzymes that we see very, in very high concentrations in arthritic joints that shouldn't be in high concentrations in these joints. The other thing they've done is measured a molecule called C2C, which is a breakdown particle of type 2 collagen. And people have very high C2C levels, we know are breaking their collagen down at a very rapid pace. And when you treat with pentosan polysulfate, you'll see marked reduction of that C2C. And so we know that we've actually stopped degradation of the joint. So if we can now build up and stop degradation, mm. that's going to be the key, yeah, right? Yeah, the net, the net gains are going to be remarkable. Right. Exactly. The other thing is we know it has these fibrinolytic properties. That's what it was initially developed for. So the pentosan polysulfate acts as a fibrinolytic agent. So we think it's also increasing blood flow to the joint so that we now have increased blood flow to both the synovium and the bone. In fact, it's been the only agent that they've been really able to find that if you have uh, like a, young people get this, actually older people too, but we get these bone contusions and the bone then dies off. So you actually have this, this area of avascular necrosis where the bone is actually dead and has lost blood supply. Um, the pentosan polysulfate is the only compound that's been shown, and we don't use it here in the U.S., but they do in other countries, to restore blood flow to the bone. So we know that those fibrinolytic properties will restore blood flow to both bone and synovium. So now we've increased blood flow. We've stopped degradative enzymes. We've, we've um, also increased your own synthesis of hyaluronic acid. So we just talked about hyaluronic acid, and it's important wow. in protecting the natural lubricant. Well, two things happen with penicillin polysulfate. You increase your own production and you increase the density of it. Remember we said when joints become arthritic, yeah. you, get, you make less and it's thinner. It's this right. thin watery fluid. It's less, less, vis- vis- less yeah. viscous, right. Yeah, less, viscous more, right. Less viscous, more friction, right. right. So penicillin polysulfate is an injection. You don't have to give it in the joint. You, so patients give it to themselves just like you do your peptides. And you do it usually once, twice a week for about a six-week course. And then you can kind of do it on a little maintenance level after that. Wow, then, it's that strong that you just can you you just have to use it for a short period of time. You'll see this huge regeneration that will last for a long time, and hopefully now, right? We're, we've put all this stuff in, we've stopped the degradative process, and now we've gotten them on these good health regimes. We've rebuilt with either platelets or AOD or maybe both, 
And now we have a joint that potentially we're getting, we're reversing time on. The other really cool thing about penicillin polysulfate is there is no, it's a blood thinner, but a minimal blood thinner and minimal blood thinners are good. It, it, we, we, don't, we haven't seen anybody who's had, had events. And again, we have a 50 year profile of this drug. It's actually, it's actually, we do use it here in, in the U.S. It's a drug called Elmeron. It's actually used orally for, for people with interstitial cystitis. So it acts to line the bladder so the bladder feels better. So, it's, so it has a good safety profile. It's actually available here as an oral drug. So it's really easy for us to get it because it's an FDA approved drug. And we teach patients how to do these injections. We used to say you had to do them IM. It looks like the recent research is supporting that you can do them sub-Q, which is much less uncomfortable. Um, it's a pretty big volume. But I've done it myself a couple of courses, and it's it, it also here's another nice thing about Carl's. It has a huge anti-inflammatory benefit, so people feel better after one or two injections. They're like, "Wow, this is really working!" So they keep adding. Yeah, they, they have they have inflammation in parts of their bodies that are not bringing them to the doctor that go away all of a sudden. Exactly. Yeah. So, 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 have you ever pondered? Uh, you know, I I do this all the time. What is the relationship between things that thin the blood and things that? Uh, affect inflammation either as resolvins or things that actually modulate inflammation there's a relationship between blood thinning effects and inflammatory response it's fascinating to me that is interesting yeah they hadn't really thought about it but you are right that there there is definitely i mean i mean ginger uh, ginger thins the blood turmeric thins the blood these right, are both right. profoundly right. have effect Fish oil thins the blood. Vitamin E thins the blood. It affects, you know, as psilocybin acid or even uh, uh, the the natural uh, uh, root. I can't think of the name of the tree bark that I take once in a while. You know, these all these things thin the blood, and they're all taken as anti-inflammatory or inflammatory mediators. Yeah, I wonder if it has to do with just that fibrinolytic effect, you know, and you're just increasing vascular flow to things. Yes, I don't know. right. There's definitely a we will have to look into that further because it certainly does seem to be a compelling coincidence in, in the way those things are working. Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, this ahead, is so cool. we have now we have the opportunity if you put all of this stuff together, right? Get rid of your steroids, get rid of your scoping your knee. Let's do instead, you know, if your doc loves platelets, if they love stem cells, but you've got to follow that with using things systemically. So you're saying follow. That's my that was one of my questions, the timing. So wouldn't it make sense to kind of uh prepare the soil? Wouldn't it make yeah. sense to start using these peptides and and the uh uh the uh what what's the acronym for the poly uh sorbate uh, pharmacy plan. Yeah. Uh what, you know, wouldn't it make sense like okay, next week we're going to spin your platelets, we're going to do all this stuff, so this week we want to start doing this first. Yes. And we so at so at my orthopedic clinic, I don't do that as much because it's much more difficult to, to get people in and do that. But at our regenerative clinic, we put them through a whole regenerative plan, right? We basically meet with them. We talk to them about the diet. We get them on, on systemically things that are going to be beneficial, including some systemic peptides, right? And then we plan to, you, you know, take these platelets. Uh, and some everybody's going to be a little bit different depending on the course of their disease, their desires, their financial situations. So we we then put something into the joint, right? And then we follow that with break, stopping the degradative process so everything we just did doesn't undo itself, which is why, you know, why we have these failures. Why, you know, when people say, oh, stem cells don't work, stem cells work, but you're not in an environment where, where most people are getting stem cells. you got a big, fat, inflamed person who has a shitty knee. I'm sorry, bad knee. Um, and no, you know, and, the, and it's going to kill those stem cells the way it kills its own stem cells. 
So exactly. it, and it's expensive. People are spending $10,000 and they're not having good outcomes and they're angry at their doctors and people say, oh, this stuff doesn't work. It's all hogwash. It's because it's not being done appropriately. So we've tried to put together this whole program and there's not very many clinics who are doing this, right? You know, so we have this whole regenerative program and we see tremendous, amazing results. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, I have a guy flying in here from England to see me because you, know, you can't get this, you know, you, you can't get anybody to do this kind of thing. So I, I think, we, we have the answers. You know, the problem is most people don't know. Right. And obviously you train physicians if they join IPS, right? You, you, you give right. these lectures to, to physicians so that they can go home and do this right. as well. That's what you can use. So you, you, you can understand that this is how you make these things work. And this is, you don't have to be an orthopedist to do this. I mean, you, you, even if you're not comfortable injecting a knee, well, again, we just talked about things that, are, you know, pensum polysulfate works very well, even if you don't have, do a knee injection. Right. If you who has systemic arthritis, every joint is pretty bad, right? Their knees and their hips and their elbows all hurt. Well, pensum polysulfate is going to have a systemic effect. Right. So there's things you can do that are not going to involve, if you, if you feel uncomfortable injecting tissues, that are not going to involve injections. And so, you know, and people don't know, know about this stuff. And, and it just it frightens me every time I see these people who are, you are my, my, my own partners are telling, listen, let's just go clean it up. And then, you know, that'll last you for a while. And then we'll do a joint replacement. And that's still the status quo. Can, can, can somebody just use the oral form of the pentane poly- polysorbate? Do they have to use the injectable? So there is a recent study that showed that the oral form did, at least in an animal model, it did help cartilage. Um, it does have a bigger blood thinning effect orally, so it has a little yeah, bit more of a blood thinning a little bit more cautious with it orally. Um, and that's probably the tricky thing is dosing it high enough that you don't get too much of a blood effect and still get this, the, this, this a systemic enough effect for the joints. Right. But it does seem to have some benefit. What about uh, just the use of uh, collagen in general? Uh, yeah. You know, because I, I and I and I know that everybody likes to call it collagen peptides, collagen hydrolysate, right. hydrosylate. I can't, I, I forget which one it is. Right. Some, but but the, the study that we talked about on this show a couple years ago, he was just using Nox gelatin and vitamin C before a workout, and he was like, "This this stuff is magic." Yeah, collagen peptides are absolutely amazing. They really, they really are. And it's such a simple thing to do. It's oral. It's an oral powder, you know. Um, that, and there was, a, there was a study that just came out of, um, out of, I think it was Germany, where they looked at improvements in walking distance on people who had joint replacements, knee replacements, versus just started taking collagen peptides on a really consistent basis. The collagen peptide group was able to walk farther without pain than the knee replacement group. So th- these things work, and that, that was a double-blinded study. People didn't know if they were taking the peptide. They, you know, so they, they right. really work, and you could use them for tendon protection too. You know, taking a collagen peptide, especially with vitamin C, before a workout can really have a protective effect on tendons. Um, we've seen improvements. Another study out of Germany where they use these, the collagen peptides a lot. Germany and Australia use them a lot in, in orthopedic medicine, and, and they took people with severe Achilles tendon pain and injuries, tendonitis is not complete tears and had complete resolution within six weeks, which is really hard to do with these people. So I love collagen peptides. We, one that's had the most research behind it. And I know there's, everybody has their own opinion on the, on the best collagen peptide. We, we like something that has Fortigel, which is a patented product out of Australia. Um, but there are some companies that, that put it into their product here. It, it has actually 15 independent placebo controlled studies on it. And it's the only one I've really found. We sort of try and base everything on research that really has has that kind of backing behind it. But from my own experience, collagen peptides have been amazing, and they're so simple to do, and they're you know not expensive. 
and um, using them, you know, like before you can do it before your workout is protected. You can use it after workout to help recovery. Uh, but every all of your listeners should be taking collagen peptides. Yeah, and take them before your workout, and take them with a small amount of vitamin C, sixty, hundred milligrams. Nothing that's going to impair yeah. mitochondrial, you know, adaptation. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, the combination with the vitamin C seems to have a better protective effect. Yeah. I want to take our last commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk about something that is rarely discussed in these types of uh, issues because we talk about all this amazing science and people go, man, I need this. But then insurance doesn't cover this kind of stuff. But the reality is when you look at what it costs to do this versus meeting most deductibles today in the way uh, health I mean, it's really a push. It really is. So we're going to do that when we come back. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. There's a phenomenon today. So many of us sit for hours each day. Slowly, our bodies respond by shortening certain muscles. The psoas gets shorter and shorter over time. It leads to lower back problems, stiffness when standing, and inhibits your running performance. Now there's psoright.com. That's P-S-O hyphen R-I-T-E dot com. Psoright is a device that allows you to stretch your psoas muscle and return them to normal function. And it does it better than any stretching movement or chiropractic adjustment. Can. You can use it in your home, office, or at the gym. Experience what thousands of people already know. Check out pso-rite.com and save 20% off when you use the code SHR. Are you looking for a better way to absorb the nutrients you know you need? Do what I do and start your day with lipospheric supplements from Live On Labs. Unlike pills and powders, Live On's patented liposomal encapsulation technology transports nutrients like vitamin C, vitamin B, glutathione, acetyl-L-carnitine, and alpha-lipoic acid to where they need to be, your cells. Visit try.liveonlabs.com forward slash Carl to learn why I take these supplements every day to help me perform in the gym and in life. That's try.livonlabs.com slash Carl. Men and women, you've heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? RenewLifeRx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. RenewLifeRx.com has a simple process for lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman radio listeners get 30% off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRx.com to schedule your no-obligation phone consultation today. Feel younger, get in better shape, and be more Productive at RenewLifeRx.com. New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at Synthogen.com. Mass Pro Synthogen. When you train with it, you'll gain with it. Who wants to have better sex? That's a stupid question. Everybody wants to have better sex. And you can start having better sex if you go to the website bluechew.com, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Use the code SHR and get a free order of your choice of the only two FDA-approved drugs to treat erectile dysfunction, sildenafil or tadalafil. Best of all, they're chewable, so they start to work in minutes. Go to bluechew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Use code SHR and you 
will get your first order for free. You do have to pay $5 for shipping, but come on. It's an easy deal. Who wants to have better sex? Okay, get busy. You know how to do it. You're listening to the Superhuman Channel. Don't hate us because we feel good. I was looking up uh, pentosin polysulfate, and I found a couple of veterinarian websites that I used to buy uh, <laughs> fena pellets from that have it. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go that route anymore. Anyway, the, the real issue here is like this is all wonderful stuff, right? Um, but for a lot of people, it, they, they're going to think it's out of reach because of the cost. But you made a pretty sound argument in the video that I watched. Uh, where when you look at meeting your deductible and having stuff done that actually is going to make you regress and make these problems worse over time, it, it's 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 a no-brainer, isn't it? Really, most people now have a, about $5,000 deductible. I have a $10,000 deductible because I take care of most of my, you know, I'm, I'm more of a catastrophic plan. But most people now, even if you've got pretty decent insurance, have $3,000, $5,000 deductible. Then remember... Every time you go see your doctor, there's a copay. So pretty much that copay is anywhere from usually thirty to I've seen eighty, ninety dollars. So every time you walk in my door, you're paying me fifty bucks just to walk in before your insurance covers it. And then if you have a procedure done, usually you're responsible for about twenty percent of that. So you add that all up, five thousand dollars to before your insurance even kicks in, and then twenty percent of everything after that, and then these copays of fifty average of fifty dollars every time. It's pretty rapid that people have spent six, seven thousand dollars, sometimes ten, out of pocket. Out of pocket, and, and these things that we're talking about don't cost nearly that much. And so, if you have an HSA, right, it's even exactly. better because you you just pay for things with your HSA, and the insurance yeah. company doesn't debate it with you. Exactly, I, I max out my flexible spending account, and my health savings account. Once the FSA is done, then I use my HSA. Um, I, I rarely use my insurance because I will never meet my deductible, and it's always less expensive to pay out of pocket for something. If you go get your typical labs and you say, well, bill the insurance, you know, the panel I would get on myself costs about $1,200 if I run it through the insurance. It costs about $300 if I just self-pay it. Right. It's about MRI scans. You right. pay, for, pay for an MRI scan, you have to pay. $150 if I pay for an MRI. If right. the insurance company pays for it, it's like $1,000. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So People don't know that. They don't know that these prices are jacked up. So if you have to pay you know, for so if you decide you're going to use your insurance, but you have a five thousand dollar deductible, then the, they're going to charge the insurance fee of fifteen hundred dollars for that MRI scan. That's your responsibility now. Right, it goes to the deductible, true, but maybe you're never going to meet your deductible versus just going in paying. You can find yeah three hundred dollars, even less for an MRI scan. That's the same thing true about labs. So I think people have to start to get out of this mindset because insurance based medicine. You know, I hope insurance eventually comes around and does this stuff, but. Insurance-based medicine is, is really not doing you, you know, huge any work. favors. Yeah, you need it for catastrophic issues. You know, you develop cancer, something like that. But you know, you need to realize that max out your health savings account. Have put put an account in that you can a spending account that you can use for this stuff. But we were you will almost guaranteedly spend more coming to, to going in and getting your steroid injections, followed by your your knee scope followed by your knee replacement now you've talked about probably fifty thousand dollars out of your pocket right and 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 if you're interested in uh what i like to call optimistic medicine which is medicine that's tied to uh a a sense of hope that not only will you get better but you'll be better than you were even before 
as opposed to what I call allopathic medicine is this pessimistic medicine. We wait for you to get sick and we manage your illness. Um, If you're someone who believes in optimistic medicine, and you need to get yourself set up with a health savings account now because you can pay. You know, I mean, if I had to submit my testosterone to my insurance company, they make me jump through all these hoops. They'll only give me a one 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 week at a time. It's like all this nonsense. But right. because I go to my compounding pharmacy and I pay with my HSA card, it, it, I'm done. That no one scrutinizes me. Then then I ask, well, what what was that? Wait a minute, no, because I'm paying that money up front out of my own pocket. They're like, okay, we don't care how you get to right. your limit we, as long as you get to. And you don't need to with your HSA. You don't even need to submit your. You know, Receipts or anything, you can use it for anything. Yeah. You know, the FSA, you have to at least have the receipts. But yeah, I max out my FSA first and then my HSA, and I, I, I don't touch my insurance. <laughs> so now let's talk about somebody else. Is somebody listening to this show right now? It's not practical for them to, to come to you uh, in, in Colorado. Uh, but they have a doctor who is forward leaning and is open to learning. So, how does that doctor get trained? So, I think that the IPS, International Peptide Society, um, Bill Seeds, who started IPS and is a, is absolutely brilliant, talks above most of our heads. He's an orthopedic surgeon, and and he has put together this society of physicians, you know, like minded. It's growing exponentially, and it's a great. You can go get a certification through there. I, I'm on faculty there. We we lecture. We have actually a site that we all go to and we converse with each other. So if, if physicians have a question, they can talk to other physicians doing these things and get answers. Uh, there's weekly conferences that, that uh, Dr. Seeds puts on. It's a great way for your doctor to learn this stuff and learn how do they get these things. How do they find penicillin polysulfate? Because you're right. Mostly you're going to find on the veterinary sites. <laughs> so you have to know where to get these things, where to get them safely. So your physician can learn all these things. And I encourage you, you're going to have to look around to find doctors who are willing to do this stuff. Um, and, you know, and a lot of doctors who tell you it's hogwash. And, you know, whenever I Patients who come to me and say, my doctor told me this is hogwash. I said, okay, well, here's 18 papers that show it's not. Can you give that to them? Most of the time, they don't read them. But They don't read you know, I was going to say they're going to throw them aside because, but, you know, they're, because they're confirmationally biased. They, they, just, right. they are just not going to read anything that differs in their opinion, even if you, they have to sacrifice your health. Oh, wow. I just disappeared. Hold on a second. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm coming back. Coming back. Hold on. Here I go. Here I go. Here I go. Hold on. Okay, I am back. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Ah, Ghost in the system. (laughs) Because I was talking bad about doctors just now. (laughs) So so the AMA disconnected my my connection. (laughs) So doctors are confirmational bias. They they only believe in what they believe. They don't want to learn anything new unless it comes through a pharmaceutical rep who comes in the door and buys lunch for the office. So don't, don't don't feel bad if they don't agree with your questions and find another doctor. But uh, there are, if they are open-minded, if they're like, wow, this is interesting, they can go to uh, peptidesociety.org and they can sign up to become a member. They can be trained uh, by people like Dr. Yurt and others who have special areas of interest. Uh, next weekend, we have, um, uh, who's the doctor who talked about autoimmunity and, and Lyme disease? Dr. Turner. She's yeah, she's, I mean, she's amazing. I mean, she, and she's going to come on next week. For those of you who want to hear real things that work in treating autoimmunity and Lyme disease from with peptides, 
we have a clinician who's doing stuff. So not this guesswork. Well, I tried this and it didn't work for me. And I, cause that's mostly what you see right now out on the boards yeah. and Facebook. Uh, that's next week. But also there's a pharmacy called, uh, uh, Taylor made in, uh, Nicholasville, Kentucky, that you can prescribe, get your prescriptions filled through. And you know that the peptides are real and, all the drugs they have are compounded on the premises. So, right. you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity. Um, oh, listen to this. I got to put this up. Mike Bear, he's been listening to the show for a long time. He says, uh, after last show with Dr. Earth, she helped my wife tremendously uh, by the peptides and the questions she started asking of her own doctor. So thank you. Uh, we're always wow. learning and blessing. So obviously... He, his wife went to her, her doctor and said, what about this? And, you know, that takes an amazing amount of courage. And I've said yeah. this on the show before. You must be courageous because doctors want you to shut up and take advice and not ask questions uh, because they just don't have the time to answer questions, quite frankly, and they don't want right. to be challenged. Right. And it takes courage on your part. A lot of patients are just afraid to say well, what about this? You know, I've had, I've had people tell me that their doctor yelled at them. You know, yeah, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, yeah. I have, I have some of my own partners will, will tell. I mean, almost berate my patients, your know, patients, and say, "Why? What? Yeah, you know, why would you do that? That's just stupid." And you know, and I always, I always tell my patients, "I go, you know what? Make the decision for yourself. Ask for the research. Ask them to give you the research to support their their line of thinking. I'll give you the research to support my line of thinking." I, you know, most of us who are practicing medicine are not doing it just based on anecdotal evidence. We, we do a lot of experimentation, mostly on ourselves, and, and we use a lot of literature that's out there. So this stuff is not, it's not just fly-by-night magical things. There's literature to support it. Yeah, most doctors don't have the time to really be updated unless they're interested. Uh, most of them who are in yeah. private practice, they're, they're rats on a wheel. Dr. Yurt, thanks so much for being here. This is a fascinating discussion, and I know a lot of people suffer from osteoarthritis and will be helped by this discussion. Thank you. Thanks, Carl. Okay, and we will talk to everybody Monday. Uh, oh, Monday. Wait, wait, wait. I, I put that up too soon. Hold on a second. Monday, we have a fascinating show. Jose Antonio, who is the founder of ISSN, is coming on to dispel this stupid myth that continues to go around the Internet that eating more than 30 grams of protein in a sitting is a waste of time because you can't digest it, you can't assimilate it, you can't, and it's just, I, I want to just bang my head against the wall when people say stupid stuff like this. So we're going to have the guy who writes a lot of good studies on high-protein diets come on and dispel you know, that. Can I add to it, if people didn't hear this whole uh, podcast and want to, I have a talk I've given that's similar to this. If they go to Boulder Longevity, uh, com forward slash arthritis, there's a talk about AOD, and it shows some of the studies, so there's some graphs of the studies. So that's a useful resource for, for your your people, your listeners, to go uh, and, and look at who didn't hear all this or who want to see the studies because we post some of the studies on there. Or send your doctor there. <laughs> How about yeah. that one? Send your <laughs> doctor there. Tell them to spend the weekend watching. All right, see everybody Monday. Thank you for Bye, watching Carl. and by listening today. Where's my music? There it is.